Welcome to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland, best-selling author and life coach. Join me each week to learn more about the strategies, tools, and mindset needed to arise from the overwhelm and create a joyful life you love. To learn how you can work with me further or to get your free copy of my book, The Water Walker, check out juliannekirkland.com. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode because the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. On today's episode, you will get to hear from the one and only David Waldy. David is the fierce empathy coach. He is a life and business strategist, speaker, and co-founder. David focuses on helping entrepreneurs master their emotions, business systems, and personal habits. His message of fierce empathy serves to empower leaders to get out of their own way, create aligned abundance, and never stop becoming who they said they would be. Besides working with thousands of entrepreneurs and sharing the stage with the big names in personal development like Tony Robbins, David is a father, husband, coffee snob that loves the outdoors, personal growth junkie, and an avid nonfiction reader. And above all, he is a warrior for Christ and my buddy. Enjoy today's show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland, and I am so excited you are joining me today because I have one of my most favorite humans right here with me today, Mr. David Waldy. Say hello. What's up, Julianne? I am stoked to be here today. We're going to have a blast. I can't wait. (laughs) So fun. I am so excited to bring David to you all because he's one of those like girls guys you know like he makes women feel empowered and I just I don't feel like there's enough of those men out there in the world so I am I'm ecstatic that David Waldy is here and that he is raising two sons one (laughs) one is in the book technically but you know I know he's still praying over him and getting him ready to be a king so um he's just he's a great guy and um I know he's going to add so much value to all of you today so David one of the things that you talk a lot about, and you actually are in the middle of writing a book about it, is this mm-hmm. subject of fierce empathy. So tell the audience a little bit about what all that entails. It's a great question. Um, so fierce empathy, it, it's one of these things that I find in life, there are paradoxes, right? Or there are things that seem to be conflicting, but they both make sense and they're both important, right? Uh, if you put the two words fierce and empathy together, they're, they're two words that they seem at odds with each other. It's like, how can you be empathetic, but fierce? Because uh, fierce, it, it conveys like these images of like battle and like war. And you know, it's just like, it's much more aggressive versus empathetic is more of what many people kind of correlate to tender, loving, conscientious, caring, right? Softer, right? And so for me, honestly, Julie, this process of, of understanding fierce empathy and kind of this evolutionary, uh, I don't know what, what you would call it, of learning about what it actually means, has come out of a lot of pain, has come out of a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges, and a lot of um, difficulty around the fact that empathy is, uh, is one of my top strengths. And for the vast majority of my life, I hated that about myself, Mm. especially being a man, 
Uh, empathy is not one of those things that you like put emblazoned on a giant flag and go run around and like, I'm, a, I'm a, an empathetic man, right? <laughs> just, for me, my understanding of what empathy was, was very, you know, it was soft. It was weak. It was not a strength. It wasn't powerful. It wasn't manly. It wasn't useful. It was just this, this frustrating thing that at times felt like a blessing, but more often felt like a curse because, uh, you know, those that maybe listening are highly empathetic or tend to be uh, very generous and giving and are emotionally available to people are often very intentional about listening of causing people to feel safe. What for most of my life, Julie, this whole theme of empathy, I did not understand how it was one of, it was a gift from God. Mm -hmm. It was a gift from God that he had placed into my life uh, that not only has affected my family, but it's affected my business. It's affected my relationship. It's affected my health, which is, is wild. It's affected every single part of my life. And then there was this evolution of who I thought that I was and who I thought that I was supposed to be and what the world had said I was supposed to be and what my family said I was supposed to be. And all of this conditioning and background and you know, social conditioning, religious conditioning, uh, just political, all of the conditioning, all the things coming to this place where I was like, wait a minute, this is a gift. This is something that needs to be shared. This is something that I am going to live out of. This is something that I can encourage and empower and help other people. But there's also a side of me that I have not let be seen or shown, which is this fierce side. Because as I'm sure, you know, just like water, water is a great thing, right? But if you have too much water, you're going to die. <laughs> right? I thought you were going to say, you're going to be in the bathroom all day. <laughs> no, you're like, or that. I mean, too much water. And, and, and it's like the, the whole too much of a good thing is that for empaths or people that are highly empathetic, we know what it feels like to be very emotionally available to another individual, but to actually start to take on their emotional state, their problems, mm -hmm. their pain, their frustrations, their difficulties. And instead of being a support, they're down in the pit dealing with something. We just kind of hop down in the pit and wallow with them. We're just playing around in the mud, like, yeah, life sucks and things are hard and I know and I get it. And, or we take on the emotions of someone going through, you know, they're, they're angry or they're, they're frustrated or they're, they're, they're feeling hurt or betrayed. We start to feel really, we feel those feelings. Mm -hmm. And so we forfeit our autonomy. We forfeit our own emotional stability. And so it's learning, it's been learning that too much empathy is not a good thing, just like too much water, but also too much fierceness or aggression aggression right which is what a lot of times we we see for people that are can be the very gung-ho type a they're all about facts they're like they're black and white this is how it is there's no in between so a lot of times we feel like those people are i don't know if i can say this on here but they're they're a-holes right. <laughs> like right. I, we don't want to we don't want to be that type of person right. and so it's been this discovery process of how can we live in a place that causes people to feel seen heard, known, safe, loved, treasured, valued, but at the same time, being willing to say, I care about you enough to tell you the things that you don't want to hear, to speak the truth in love, right. even at the expense of our relationship, because I genuinely care about you. And the hard part about this, Julian, as I'm sure you know, 
is that it's really hard to do that in this day and age where everyone is offended by everything. Everyone is walking on eggshells about what they can say and what they believe and what their opinions are. I mean, we're dealing with so many varying opinions about, you know, especially right now when it comes to COVID and vaccinations Mm -hmm. and politics Mm -hmm. and our military and the economy. You have one conversation with one person and we, we live, it's, it's cancel culture right now, is that you have this entire planet who you can agree with something that someone says 98% of the time, but they say one thing you disagree with and you just write them off. You're just completely friendships, families, like things are being destroyed because of a lack of what I feel like is this fierce empathy, which is how can we create relationships and live with people that have different opinions, different feelings, different thoughts, different beliefs, what without forfeiting what we believe without forfeiting what our opinion is, without trying to feel like, man, I just got to make everybody happy and I don't want to rock the boat and I don't want to say what I want and I don't want to say what I think and what I... And so finding that line is where fear sympathy has kind of uh, just grown into this thing of its own, yeah. if that makes sense. It, it so does. And it, as you're talking, I just, I was so the other way, especially after I had the quads and... Um, I kind of went viral and then got hated on really bad and trolled really bad and ended up getting off the internet because of it. Um, but I went strictly fierce. <laughs> I was fierce <laughs> all the time, like mama bear to the extreme. Yeah. But I remember um, sitting in my bathtub one night and I was just crying out to God, like, what, what is, what do you want me to do? I don't know who to be anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. And yeah. I had taken out all my kids' toys and put them in the corner of my bathtub, at the front of my bathtub. And I just, I was closing my eyes so tight, just trying to like, come to me, God, tell me what to do. And as soon as I opened them and relaxed, I saw a little lion peeking out of a wash rag. And the Holy Spirit just settled in me, like, you always show the lion. It's time to let him see the lamb. And I was just like... Oh, you know, and that's so what you're talking about is that Jesus did it first. Yeah. You know, he he's the exact example because he didn't let everybody run around on top of him. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew how to be. And that's mm-hmm. why he spoke in parables is yeah. because he wanted to make sure that the people that were genuinely listening were the ones mm-hmm. that got it. Yeah. And I love that. And I, I love how, how you do that and you're, you're speaker. And, and I love how you are able to bring in these lessons that God has taught you. And you don't even have to say Jesus or God when you're up on a global stage. And I love that. So talk a little bit about where all this came from, from you, like who was it? Yeah. You, did you model it after somebody? Was this something, a revelation that God brought to your heart? Like, how did this come about in your life? Yeah, so it's a great question. Again, going back to uh, early years, I mean, I've always been a huge proponent of personal growth, personal development, and especially growing up in the church, I had a huge heart for ministry. I've been actively involved in ministry since I was 14 years old. So I'm coming up on 20 years in ministry, which is, um, is that right? 20 years? Oh my gosh, it's 20 years. It's crazy, (laughs) right? Like, good gracious, a couple decades. And so I, I always had this frustrating thing in my life where it seemed like everyone around me had a plan. Like they knew what they were going to do. They knew what they wanted to do with their life. They knew what, you know, their future was going to be. Um, they wanted to become a doctor. They wanted to join the Peace Corps. They wanted to go in the military. They wanted to be a mom or a dad or whatever it was. And I was always just scratching my head like, 
God, what's my calling? Mm. What's my, what's my thing? And I was never the best at anything, but I was always pretty dang good at just about anything I put my heart to. Like I, I was, I didn't have to be the best. I just wanted to be the best that I could be. And so in that process, especially like at a very young age, like middle school, even like I can remember middle school and elementary school and even into high school, what I always, it always bothered me and frustrated me, Julie, was that I was, I never belonged. I didn't feel like I ever belonged in any of the cliques, any of the community, but here was what was fascinating. I was in every single one of them. Right. I was, I was with the nerds. I was with the jocks. I was with the band and the choir people. I was with the ones who were doing the science experiments and trying to figure out, I was the one, like sometimes at lunch, I'd be sitting with the kids who are playing on their calculators, you know, the, uh, <laughs> doing like all, I, I didn't belong though. And that was what was so hard is that I was able to kind of move in and through all of the different relationships in, in, in life and be able to see the uniqueness of people and to value them. And that was that empathy side of really just wanting to, wanting to love people for who they were. Yeah. But as I started to grow and as I, you know, left high school and I, I started, um, you know, learning more and more about who I was as a person and became obsessed with just personal growth, personal development, these two worlds collided between like personal growth and Jesus almost like ministry and who God has called us to be and, and, and what scripture says about who we are. And what I started to feel was like this resentment and this anger, this frustration, because again, I had so many people are like, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. This is the thing I'm going to pursue. But I saw so many people, myself included, that were almost treating God like this genie mm. that, well, if I'm just, if I go to church and I pray hard enough and I wait on him and, you know, I I'm, I'm a good person that all of my wildest dreams are going to come true. Right. And there was something that just never sat right with me about that because I, the fruit of those people's lives, my life as well was not showing in any way, shape or form. It was laziness. It was procrastination. It was excuses. It was some people that I love and adore, and again, myself included, that were basically putting all of the responsibility for life onto God right. and saying, well, if God wants it, if God wills it, if, if it's, you know, if it's his plan. Right. And I remember, I remember there was a point where I had somebody come from me and said, hey, David, you know that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? Like, yeah, it's a great verse. Love that verse. But I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future looked me dead in the face and said, Hey, David, you do realize someone has to execute the plan, right? <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? Like that, that's God's job. No, no, it's not. Hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you are born in the image of God. And as a son, you are what? A co-laborer which means you have to work. You need to bust your butt. There, God knows the plan for your life. He has the plans. He has plans to prosper you, not to, like, reading through Jeremiah 29, 11, but it's just like a map. It's a map on a table. He's saying, God's like, here's the map. Here's the plan. Now go execute, go create, go do, go become. And in that process, Julian, I just, things inside of me just started to unravel. Because all of the, the, the excuses, all of the victimization, all of my financial situation, my relationships, all of these things started to like, I was 
humbled to a place where I realized, oh my gosh, most of the problems in my life are not because of Satan and they're not because of God. They're because of me. They're because of the fact that I'm not taking any form of ownership in my life. And that's where I had to start understanding more and more and more about, okay, wait, wait, wait. What if the purposes and plans and the calling of God on our life isn't this lofty expectation to live up to? What if it's not something that we can fail? What if it's a promise that we can live out of as we lean in and every single place we, we step, we are trusting his guidance saying, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And as I go, I will preach saying the kingdom has come upon you. I will heal the sick. I will raise the dead. I will cleanse lepers. I will cast out demons. I will be a carrier of the kingdom. Right. In whatever I do. And through that process, Julie, this empathy thing just kept coming up over and over and over and over again. And what I started to realize was that my idea of who Jesus was and what I had taught, been taught, and what I had learned and what I had read in scripture was very one-dimensional. Mm. It was very soft. It was very cushy Jesus. It was very like, he's going to hug everybody and he doesn't, you know, he's just a especially with like the imagery we have of like in books and pictures is very, very kind, loving, gentle. I'm like, wait, that is him. But there's also a part of him that's coming with fire in his eyes, tattoos on his body and a giant sword ready to make war. Right. And there's a side of him that decided it was acceptable to take a whip into his father's house and turn over the tables of the money changers, the people that were making it hard for the common man to get access to God. There's a very real part of Jesus that said, get behind me, Satan. There's a very real part of Jesus that said, you're a hypocrite, you brood of snakes. There's a very real part of Jesus that I didn't grow up with even, I had read those scriptures, but somehow the filter that I had of who Jesus was didn't match that. And I was like, yeah, but maybe I just don't understand it. instead of recognizing, no, his, this is his heart. This is his character. How can I align my life? Because at the end of the day, I want to, I want to follow him. Yeah. I want to follow Jesus. And how can I do that in a way? And that's where the fierce empathy started to really develop and grow. It's like, wait a minute, I'm just not supposed to be this soft, cushy, I make everybody feel safe and lovely and warm. It's like, no, I will be that. I will be the lamb, but I also want to be the lion. And I want to be very much like Aslan. Like I'm a lion, but I am not a tame lion. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's so good, David. It's so good. Cause I I do, I picture as you're talking, I was picturing before you even said it, I was like, Oh yeah, you went there. Um, But that get behind me, Satan, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. so often, especially in, you know, family circles or close friend circles, when you're trying to, to grow in your faith and your personal development, when you're trying to do all these things and you're achieving new things, because you know that God is calling you higher. And so you're living your life in the direction of going higher. You're starting to surround yourself with people who are pulling you higher, who are calling you higher. And sometimes we're left with the people that we started with that don't get it. And as a way of protecting us, 
you know, they'll say things like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You know, that's not right for you. Or you, you could fail. And then what would happen? And how could you do this? And I got it all the time when I was pregnant. No, you can't have four babies at one time. No, you can't. Your marriage won't last. No, you, you won't be a good mom to your other two boys. No, you won't be able to do business after that. I got it all the time. And it was all like for my protection, you know, right. but in the, that same sense, Jesus is like, no, get behind me, Satan. Like that is the enemy. No, you're not going to ruin what God has called me to do. And so it's just, it's so beautiful how, how you, you, you brought that into it and you touched on it that you started to become. And one of your most famous, according to me, <laughs> hashtags is never stop becoming. And it, it's no. so true that we don't ever stop becoming there. We shouldn't reach this like, oh, if I can just get here, I'll be happy. Oh, if I could just reach here, then everything will be okay. So talk a little bit about never stop becoming. Yeah. So I had, um, by my mid twenties, Julian, I had, um, I had achieved the American dream, um, or what I thought was the American dream. I had turned down a full ride academic scholarship after graduating high school. And I went into a two-year internship program focused on ministry, leadership development, character development, strengths, interpersonal communication, all those types of things. And then I'd gone straight into sales. And so I built a really successful sales career. I ended up working my way up to becoming a top 1% producer in a $400 million a year company. They transitioned me into senior leadership. I was working with, um, this really where I started to cut my teeth on coaching is coaching people in sales and marketing and helping them. And I remember that there was a, a year or a season where everything in my life just came to a screeching halt. I started having anxiety and panic attacks. I started, I remember there was one day I was driving down the interstate. I was going probably 80 something miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, like I just tunnel vision. I felt like I was about to black out. I felt like my, my entire body started seizing. I like yanked the, the, the wheel to get off the interstate. I'm just shaking and I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I just, I'm angry. I'm so angry. And I just, I'm confused because I'm working 70, 80 hours a week. I've got a newborn daughter at home that I barely get to see. I barely get to see my wife. I'm 40 pounds overweight. Uh, I'm crushing it, quote unquote, financially, but still living paycheck to paycheck. I, I'm to a place where I've got, I've got the glass corner office. I've got the company card. I've got the company vehicle. I've got everything that you would think people say is the American dream. Right. It's like, I got there and I'm not, I wasn't even 30 then mm. I was in my mid twenties having achieved that. And I was miserable mm. and every single thing in my life that could go wrong, <laughs> basically started going wrong is that we fell behind on bills. We were trying to figure out why there was never enough money at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. um, I had some t major tax problems. Uh, I ended up suffering some corporate betrayal uh, at, at my job, a $40,000 pay cut. We went through a miscarriage. Um, there were so many things in that season that just, they hurt. Mm -hmm. They were so painful. And there were days that I remember just curling up like in my wife's arms, like, which as a man's hard, you know, to be vulnerable and you want to be strong. You want to be strong for your, for your wife. You want to be strong for your family. But there were days where I just couldn't take it. And I didn't know what to do. And it wasn't because of a lack of faith. It wasn't like, I, I don't believe that God's going to take care of us and provide and all, but I was just 
I was lost. Yeah. I was so confused that, that everything that I thought that I wanted in life was actually nothing that I wanted in life. And it was because I, I had been striving and pushing and working so hard. And then there was this, there's two things that happened in the course of a couple of months. Number one, I was pulled into a conference room and I'm sure everyone listening can relate to this in, in a movie. If you can kind of visualize big giant glass conference room, massive table in the middle, uh, the big dogs, the big bosses on one side and the lone employee on the other side, kind of like huddled down, hunched over shoulders, just like, this is not a good meeting. Right. And in that meeting, I, I had the reason I was in the meeting was because I had come forward about some things that I saw going on within the company that were not okay and were crossing ethical lines and that backfired. And I had one of the owners standing over me, cursing at me, berating me, talking about how I um, had caused dissension. I had broken trust that I didn't deserve a place at the company anymore. It didn't matter how many millions of dollars I had generated for them that me and my entire team, they could tell me in that moment to pack a box and to fire all of us because they had enough cash reserves to keep the company running without having any of our team. And the only reason that they weren't letting me go was because I was too much of a financial asset to the business that they didn't want to, to lose that because of how much money I was generating for them. Mm. And around that same time, I, I had, um, I had a lunch with one of my mentors, um, a woman that I love and respect so much. And she works for a, a company where if I said the name, I, I can't, I want to be respectful of her privacy. If I said the name, um, everyone would know it. It's an international company. It's, and she was, she's very high in executive leadership. And at the time she uh, had been tasked with creating an executive coaching program for the company that was going to be about $300,000. And she had asked me, she said, David, I have to work through this coaching program with five people to test everything before I can take it back to the board and we get approval. Would you be interested in being one of the people? I was like, are you kidding me? Okay. $300,000 in coaching for free. It was like, are you kidding? And at the time, like, I'm just like, I, you know, I knew the value of coaching and modeling. Modeling had been such a big part of my life. I always wanted to model people that had achieved success in different areas. But I remember sitting there with her one day in one of our coaching sessions, a little Mediterranean cafe right on Main Street. I remember looking out the window. It was very much like a, um, you know, one of those TV shows you just watch on, on uh, oh, what's, what's your, what's, what's the, the channel, the Hallmark channel. <laughs> it was very much like it felt like you were in this little, you know, this little cute little restaurant and we're, we're eating shawarma or whatever it was. And, um, and I'm just, I'm broken. I'm broken because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why things just feel the way that they do. And I had lived and carried for so long this pressure of trying to find my calling mm -hmm. and not knowing what it was. And so I'm sitting there with her and she looks at me and she asked me a question that I'd, I'd probably been asked before, but it, it didn't hit me. It just hit me different. But she said, David, who do you want to become? And there was something about how she said it or just the way that she said it, that something inside of me broke. 
because I realized in that moment, I had never, my entire life, never given myself permission to actually define that because I thought it wasn't my job. Like I thought it wasn't, I didn't have a right to do that. Like I'm not allowed because it's not my will, but your will be done, God, right? I don't, these desires inside of my heart, how do I know if they're selfish David desires or if they're God desires? How do I, I want to make sure that like everything I'm doing is, is for you, Jesus. It's for like, I don't want to, I don't want to go after money. I want to go after God. And then I realized like in not going after money and hating it and thinking it was evil, I actually idolized it because every time I go to God, I'm praying for money. And I, like all of these things, yes. right? we had created this massive amount of cognitive dissonance, this chaos in my brain that I did not know like what to do. And so when she asked me, who do you want to become? I realized I had never given myself permission to answer that question. And I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that question. And she said, well, it's pretty simple. Like just anyone that, you know, is there anyone alive or even that, that lived that if you could model your life after them, like, who would it be? I was like, well, Jesus, duh. And she's like, nope, can't, nope. Can't do Jesus, <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, nice you can't Jesus. That's a cop out right there. And I was like, but for real. And uh, she's like, no, pick a person. And I realized that there was, there was one person that, um, or, or a handful of people that I, I looked at and admired. And I, I remember telling her, I said, I feel like I could be like them, but there are some things I would want to change, but I, 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 there's something about them that I admire and it's just so inspirational. And so like, I could see myself like becoming that type of person. And what happened in that moment, Julianne, was that it was the first time I had again, given myself permission to visualize myself in the future and to create an ideal of the man that I wanted to be. And from that, I started to deconstruct this process and realize that I was trying to answer the question, what do I need to do to fix my life? What do I need to do to change? What do I need to do to pray better? What, what prayers do I need to pray? What do I like? How do I need to handle my money better? How do I need to handle my job? But like, what do I need to do? Right. Right. And when I answered that question, no, who do I want to become? What naturally followed that process over the months to follow was I started knowing exactly what I needed to do because if what I was doing didn't align with the version of me that I wanted to become, it was a very simple yes or no. It's yeah. like, is this activity and the, the things that I'm doing and pursuing, is it going to help me become the man that I, that I want to be? Not just as someone in business, but as a father as a husband, for anyone listening, as, as a mother, as a wife, as an employee, as, a, as an owner, as whatever you are, giving yourself permission to define that. Because what I realized through that season, Julianne, was that there, was, there were several times where I'm just in prayer. And there was one time where I remember I, I felt like, you know, I haven't heard the audible voice of God, but you know when you feel like he's talking oh, to you. Totally. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> he was like, David, why is it so hard for you to believe that maybe, maybe these desires, maybe these things that you want in life, maybe these things that you're finally giving yourself permission to, you know, step into, what if I placed those there? Mm. What if, I, what if all of those things I have placed inside of your heart and there's not, and I had a mentor of mine tell me this is like, you're calling is not an expectation to live up to. 
right? What if it's not? What if it's really not an expectation to live up to? What if it's not something you can fail? What if it's not something that you are measuring up to or trying to find or trying to discover? What if it's an actual promise that we can live out of into limitless possibility, limitless potential of leaning into God every single day saying, God, I don't really know. Yeah. It's because you're not giving me a, a, exactly what it is, but this is what's inside of my heart. So I'm going to go after it. And as I go after it, I'm going to carry your kingdom. I'm going to stay submitted to you. I'm going to stay plugged into community. I'm going to stay in prayer. I'm going to stay walking for, and I'm going to trust that you're going to just shut the right doors. You're going to open the right doors and you're going to help me figure this out yep. because this is something that I want. And I had never truly given myself permission to actually define those things without feeling selfish or greedy or like it was wrong. And I'll never forget reading the scripture and this pertained to my wife as well. I know we don't have time to go into it, but when I, when I met Jesse um, actually, and then in this situation, there's a verse that says uh, something to the effect of uh, infinitely more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Yes. Right? Sorry. I just, I just recorded a podcast yesterday about that verse. <laughs> <laughs> It's Ephesians three twenty. Yes. Okay. What's the full verse? Go ahead and give yes, me the full verse. Um, oh gosh, super abundantly more than anything we could ever hope, dream, or ask for. Yes, that. Yes, it's all about believing bigger. The God, yeah. I mean, His ways are higher. He thinks higher. Oh, I just got the Holy Spirit goosebumps. Name it's so good. <laughs> but I realized that even even what I had dreamed or could think about the man that I wanted to become and the life that I wanted to create, all of those things, again, I had felt like were selfish and wrong because I was comparing. Like a lot of times we talk about comparison in a negative way. Like somebody's got something that I don't have and I'm comparing to them or they've achieved at this level or whatever. But I was also comparing on the opposite side. I was comparing to people that had less than me that had difficulty and challenges that I didn't have, that had stories that were more painful than mine, that had had gone through difficulties and challenges and lived in places around the world that, and then looking and saying, how could I want more in my life? And I felt so terrible about even thinking about wanting more in my life because I'm like, how greedy do you have to, like, just look at this person over here right? So these were the stories. These were the right. things that I was just battling with wrestling. It wasn't like I was trying to be greedy towards wanting something else. It was like, I already feel greedy. I already feel like I've got it good. I already feel like life. I, why in the world do I have any right to complain? Or why do I have any right to feel bad about this? Get over yourself, David. And in that process, I just started to realize more and more and more is that in the principles of the kingdom, and walking in abundance is that it's not just about money. When we talk about riches, it's not just about money. It's not just about your family. It's not just about material things. It's about who you are as an individual that as you go, are you carrying the kingdom that the Holy Ghost just leaks out of you? No matter whether you're explicitly talking about Jesus, if you're in business or you're in relationships or you're, you know, you're talking at, you know, at, at a school or whatever it is that you're doing, and I started to realize that I was the one who was limiting the potential of my life. Mm -hmm. It was no one else. It wasn't my family. It wasn't my background. It, wasn't, it, was, it was no one else but me. And that God had, in creating me, saying, go become, create, right. 
the creator were made in his image to create. <laughs> create. I finally started to come to this place where I was like, wait, why can't I, why do I have to feel all of this pressure? Why can't I just go? Yeah. Why can't I just go become and trust God in the process and carry the kingdom and, and just enjoy and love life and enjoy the journey and lean into limitless potential and go after the things that everyone said that I can't have and I can't do and I can't become and, and just let go of all those things and say, God, I'm really going to live my life surrendered to you. And I'm going to trust that you're going to guide me. I'm going to you know, be on my face every single day before you. I'm going to stay in your word. I'm going to do everything that I can. But, and this is the kicker, Julie, <clears throat> and we can transition on from this thought, but I, I had someone confront me again on this and it, this wasn't very long ago, actually. They said to me, David, you've done missions. Like I've, I've, I've been to Haiti and Nicaragua, Dominican Republic. I've done missions trips and worked with you know, worked with the homeless. I've done a lot of different things that that really light my my heart. Like I, I love to do those type of things. And there's just something about you know doing it. This person confronted me and said, "Here's the problem, David. That's really easy for you." He said, "If I asked you today to sell all of your stuff." If, and you knew it was God's will for your life to sell all of your stuff and move to a third world country and just serve those people for the rest of your life, you, you would not have a problem with that. You would do it. It would be easy. He said, you know what's not easy for you and why I know that God is calling you to do different, something different, something that you're not okay with, that maybe he's okay with. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, what, is, what if God is calling you to be a wildly successful entrepreneur that has millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that flow through your businesses and through your hands to have impact and touch the lives of the people that would never be able to be touched if it weren't for financial resource. And what if you're sitting in, you know, a house that you own that is, you know, wherever on a mountainside or on a beach or, or, or he's like, that would be really freaking hard for you, wouldn't it? And I was like, I've never thought about that before because there was so much resistance and fear of being labeled greedy, of being selfish, of abuse, of so many things that have happened because of those that have been in power or with money. And he yes. said, no, David, the reason that people like you, I know we're going to win. I know we're going to succeed. I know we're going to be financially abundant and be able to, to not sacrifice what matters most in the process, have a beautiful family, have incredible relationships and be able to pour into the lives of other people and to give and serve and love and walk in the kingdom. He said, the reason that I know that that's going to happen is because God can trust you with that. And he knows that you're going to stay submitted to him through the whole process and that will not corrupt you. And he said, what's going to be interesting and hard for you is to realize that your beliefs are the things that are holding you back. And that started to shift for me. It started to shift for me where I was like, okay, my money mindset, my beliefs, who I am as a man, who I want to become and what's possible because broke people don't build hospitals. Mm. Broke people don't build schools. That's right. And broke people don't build orphanages. And those are the things that I want. I want to build orphanages. I want to build schools. I want to be able to support. And, and so in 
processing through this, I have had to recognize so many different parts about who I am and what I am allowing and not allowing in my life and to come into alignment with the kingdom that isn't just about, I know we're talking, I'm talking a lot about the money side here, is that you're not any better or worse if you're poor or you're rich. It comes down to what is inside of your heart and coming into submission with what God has called you to do and being willing to go into that regardless of the discomfort. I'm terrified (laughs) most days (laughs) of being like, God, this is really what you're pulling me towards. Cause I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I don't like, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm just scratching my head and I'm trying to figure stuff out. And he's like, do you trust me? I'm like, yeah, I trust you. We'll keep moving forward because my word is a lamp unto your feet. There's a reason I didn't give you a flashlight, buddy. There's a reason I didn't give you a spotlight. It's a lamp. So you can see one foot at a time to step every single day. And you need to trust that whether you become whatever it is, is not the point. It's walking with me. Yes. It's walking with me and trusting me. And it's allowing your life to be filled with whatever I want to come in and through you. And just like Paul talks about, it's like whether it is in, you know, to, to be in need and lack or to be in abundance and to have everything that you could ever want. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the things. It's about saying, God, I'm going to pursue these things inside of my heart and trust that in and through my life, you will bring in what is necessary. You will remove what is necessary, but I am going to go after limitless potential and I'm going to chase these things every single day. And I'm going to show to the best of my ability, what it looks like to live a surrendered life, even if you don't understand what it means. Totally. And you will never stop becoming. <laughs> it's so never. true. Um, I did. I wanted to, I, I looked it up because of course I did, but this is Ephesians 3.20 and this is the amplified version. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Mm. It's so good. It's so good. And, you know, you also talked about, um, I see so many entrepreneurs, so we both work with entrepreneurs. Um, they get caught up, entrepreneur believers, kingdom entrepreneurs, they get caught up in Psalm 4610, which says, you know, be still and know that I am God. And so many people are like, okay, I'm just, it's like what you're talking about. God's going to do it for me. I'm going to just sit here and he's going to do it. But be still means let go. That's what that verse means. He's saying, let go, let go of everything that you thought that you understood because my ways are higher and it's time to follow me. I love it. I love it so much. It's it's so true. All right, David, we have hey, a real quick, real quick. I need to yeah. share a thought on that really fast. If I'm allowed okay. to, if I'm allowed to. <laughs> so here's one thing that's really interesting about that verse as well. Um, I found this out several years ago in just studying scripture. Um, when it says, be still and know that I'm God, K-N-O-W, that word is the exact same word that is used in Genesis where it says an Adam knew Eve. And so there's a very real part of when you are being still and knowing God of intimacy, of procreation, of him birthing things inside of your life, which is a very, very active, engaged thing, right? Julie, you've got six kids. You know what it looks like to be active, actively knowing your husband, right? (laughs) 
I know what it's like to be actively knowing my wife. And that's a beautiful part about what marriage is in sexual intimacy. But there's a reason I believe that God has used that as a correlation. If you look at the word, the actual, like looking at what those words are, and you look at that, no, it's the same thing in Genesis where it says, and Adam knew Eve. Mm. And she had a son. Be still and know that I am God is being still, but also this activity of saying, okay, I'm not just going to sit around and wait and wait and wait and wait. I am going to take that attitude of submission of surrender, but that's where people get confused. Surrender doesn't mean like you retreat and you back down. It's like, no, I'm, I'm opening up. I'm actually opening up in surrender of saying, here I am, God, use my life. And I'm just going to run. I'm going to go, 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 go. (laughs) It's so exciting. Okay. We're going to do a speed round. Are you ready? Okay. Speed round. (laughs) You have to answer as as quick as you can. You don't have time to think about it. Are you ready? Can I interrupt you? What if I know what you're going to ask before you finish the question? Can I speak that fast? (laughs) No, (laughs) because we got to let the audience hear the question, David. (laughs) It's fine. We have fun. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Favorite color. Red. Ooh. Tacos or sandwiches? Tacos. Okay. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Which character in Marvel? Captain America. Ooh. Shocking. It's a thing. <laughs> like he's he's like Captain America in real life, people. Minus the <laughs> shield. I don't know. Maybe you have a shield. He has a shield of faith. We'll just use that. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite character of the Bible? David. David. Mm, so good. All right. What is one place on your bucket list? to visit one dumped me oh my gosh one place on my bucket list to visit um austria Ooh, why austria the the alps the austrian alps yeah, yeah. i've been to switzerland been to germany been to france i've not been to austria That's so cool. yeah that's exciting. All right. So um, another thing that I ask everybody, and this is a quick story time, David. Quick story time. A lot of times, well, often in the Bible, we're reading through scripture and it's talking about, you know, things were really bad. And then it says, but God, and the B is capitalized because it's starting a new verse and it says, but God. And then it just tells about how God just turned everything good. What is your favorite, but God moment that you've experienced in your life? Yeah, one of the probably more recent ones in the past couple of years was right before transitioning into <clears throat> into entrepreneurship and walking away from that job. Because I had, I told you the story about when I was driving down the interstate, like panic attack, overwhelmed. I was enraged. I was so angry. I mean, my blood was, my blood pressure was through the roof. I, I again, I, I should have, <clears throat> there was so much negative stuff going on life circumstances and situations and just so much fear and in that moment sitting in that truck I just remember it was one of only a handful of times where I've cursed God Mm. and when I say I cursed God like there are few words that I did not use that are not probably this podcast approved (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I was hurting. Mm. There was so much pain, Julie. And I remember sitting there in my truck and all I heard was three words. I love you. Mm. 
I love you. And I remember not wanting to receive that, not wanting to believe that. And just thinking, you know, especially we as parents now, when our kids like hate us and yell at us is like, if we're emotionally mature, we don't let that through. <laughs> you know, <they're> like, <laughs> we don't let it. If you're right? emotionally mature. <laughs> uh, right. Is, is being able to handle the misunderstanding of a child. Yeah. And my misunderstanding as his child in that, in that time and in that season allowed him to, to, to really just constantly show me how my life and my mindset and like even on a, a neurological level, like the, the neural pathways I had created because of my habits and my behaviors, things that are within our control, how I had allowed, it wasn't just demonic activity and oppression and Satan moving and doing his stuff. And it was actually just me. And, and through that process of him just reminding me, I love you. I love you. I love you. And owning the fact that I had put myself in this situation and that I was the one that was going to have to get me out of it with his help, but I was going to have to do the work. That was where this whole thing was birthed in fierce empathy and being able to teach people how to sell with empathy, how to market with empathy and how to do it in a way that feels aligned. It's how my whole entire business got it off the ground in the first place. It led to opportunity of speaking on stages with some of the biggest influencers in the world, being able to pour into the hearts and lives of thousands of entrepreneurs from across the globe to build a successful business that allows me to be able to be fully present with my family. I get to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my kiddos. I get to be able to be the father that I want to be. I get to travel. I get to speak. And all of that was because of in the process of really surrendering the but God moment, but God saw what I didn't see. He saw the future of those plans that he had for my life. He knew that they were there. He knew that those plans, those are things that he, the good things. Yeah. But he was just waiting for me to surrender and say, all right, God, I'm going to lean in. I have no idea what the heck I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to find people that, you know, have achieved success in given different areas and in relationships and family and in business and faith and all these things. And I'm going to change my circle of influence. I'm going to up level. I'm going to commit to learning more about myself. I'm going to commit to loving myself. I'm going to commit to adopting I am language and starting to speak out affirmation and truth over my life, even though I don't feel like it, even though I don't believe it. And I'm going to start seeing myself the way that you see me. And through that process, Julie, God showed up every single step of the way. And I definitely have not got it all figured out, but my life is not the same. And I, for the rest of my life, will never stop becoming because having that adventure of certainty and uncertainty and not knowing and figuring stuff out and trusting him. I think that's what makes life really worth living. Absolutely. Oh, so good. I know about y'all, but I got Holy Spirit goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> so good. So David, tell everybody about um, how they can get in touch with you. We'll link everything in the show notes, of course. And then what is one thing that you want to leave everybody with? 
Sure. So best way to get in touch with me. Um, I love just connecting on social media. Instagram is kind of my hangout place. And so connect with me on Instagram. Uh, also have a free community uh, that Julie happens to be the community director for. Um, so just connect with either of us on social media. But if you specifically referencing anything to do with this podcast, just message me and say, hashtag Julianne Kirkland, um, something like that. So I'll have context, but connecting on social and just creating real conversations is what I'm about is that a lot of people don't use social media in that way. It's just for posting and doing stuff, but I like actually meeting people and creating conversations. And he's, he's for real when he says that, like he's for real. (laughs) He's not just saying that he will actually it's not just a robot that's going to respond to you. I, I will personally respond to you. He will have real <laughs> conversations. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the one thing that I would say, uh, just a bit of advice or what, what did you ask for? One thing I can leave. Yeah, just leave one thing you with? would leave with everybody. It can be mm-hmm. advice. Okay. So the one thing I would leave with everyone is this. is It's from one of my favorite books on the planet called The Greatest Salesman in the World. Uh, which surprisingly, it does have to do with sales, but it's actually more about success in life. Um, and it's very spiritually oriented. I would highly encourage anyone to, to read a very small book. But in the book, it says that success is defined differently by every person. But failure is defined the same. And failure is our inability to achieve our goals. And what I found really profound about that is that your life and my life and Julie's life, they're not supposed to look the same. And the things that Julianne wants for her life and the things that you listening right now want for your life, the things that I want for my life, the beautiful part about abundance in the kingdom is that we can all win without anybody losing. Yes. That we can define what we want success to look like in our lives. And if that means that you, you know, you live in a van down by the river writing poetry and, you know, <laughs> creating beautiful works of art, and that's what you want for your life, I'm not here to judge that or tell you that's right or wrong. I'm here to invite you to define for yourself what does success look like and why do you want that as, you know, as a parent, as an entrepreneur, as an employee, as someone who leads in your church, as someone who is leaning into your artistic development or music or for creating things, drawing, whatever it is defining what you want your life to look like and saying, who do I need to become? Who do I want to become in that process? Giving yourself permission to define that and knowing that unless you define who you want to become, it's going to be hard to know what to do. It's going to be hard to figure that stuff out and surround yourself with people that can champion you, encourage you, support you. Keep following Julianne. She's your biggest fan. I guarantee. I know you guys are her fans, but she is really your biggest fan. And so if you're stuck or needing support or help or encouragement, reach out to her. Um, Julie has one of the most incredible hearts of any human being that I've ever met. And you guys are blessed to be in her circle. I'll tell you that. (laughs) So. Thank you, David. Thank you so much. Oh, man, I know everybody uh, is equally as blessed as I am to have had David on the show with us today. Um, again, reach out at the Julianne Kirkland on Instagram, or is it just David Waldy? At David Waldy, basically everywhere. At David Waldy. I mean, we don't complicate things here, people. <laughs> There's enough complication in the world. Um, and just let us know an aha moment you had from the show today, uh, a takeaway that you got. We love that so much. And remember, the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Bye for now. <laughs>